0: It is so wonderful to be here this morning. What a special morning to be able to join you guys. Like, man, if I could look at your calendar for the last five years and pick one weekend, I think this would have been it. So, how how beautiful uh, it is just to be able to be with everyone in the same room, to experience the commissioning of the site pastors. It, man, it's just it's it's wonderful. Um I sometimes I'm a little bit ADD and I have an ADD thought, I just need to quickly address. Um, so we had mentioned with the West Side site, the, I can't remember if it was you, Steve, or someone had listed a whole bunch of the, the different, uh, I don't know, townships, do you call them? I'm not sure. Hamlets? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm figuring it out here, right? Um, uh, uh, is there, it's just, it's just, I'm curious. Is there anyone in the room who lives in Putney? I'm just curious. Sort of, a couple of you. Okay, so my, I go by Putty Putman, okay? My wife's name is Brittany. And in the U.S., we do this thing where if you're a celebrity and you're a couple, you sort of like merge the names together. So if I was a celebrity, it would be Putney. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe it's a sign. I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I'm, I'm thrilled with that. So welcome, Putney friends. Uh, <laughs> it feels good to be here. I knew I was home in the dark land. no. Um, it's so good to be here this morning. We've just had a wonderful weekend. It's been beautiful. Um, our team has loved every minute of it. I've loved every minute of it. And, um, this morning I want to, I want to kind of talk a little bit about an element of our journey with God that I just kind of see becoming more and more important as we continue to navigate this strange, bizarre season we're in. Combined with the strange, bizarre trajectory of our culture at large and all of those elements, you know, the way that things are happening in the world and the society that we live in has to affect the spiritual intake that we are doing as believers. I've had um, an opportunity from time to time to work with the persecuted church in China, The persecuted church in China approaches their faith really differently. Now, I think we're a long way from the state of the persecuted church in China, and I'm not prophesying something tragic or terrible. But I do know the landscape of our culture is changing. And if we're not being purposeful to be taking the right spiritual intake as the environment changes, we can find ourselves in a tough spot. This is, true. this is true biologically, of course. If you're about to go do a, a heavy workout, you probably do something differently if you're lifting a bunch of weights or if you're going to go run a marathon. You need different kinds of nutrients so your body has the energy it needs to do the task at hand. It has the energy and the nutrients it needs to rebuild itself in the way it needs to rebuild itself. I think in the same way there's a degree in which that's true for us as believers. We have a spiritual intake that we need to get from our relationship with God. Some of what's been challenging for us in this season is the profile of that intake need has changed. And we haven't necessarily maybe caught that up front. And so we keep trying to get the intake of the last season (laughs) And it doesn't feel like it's giving us much for this season. And so I'm about to go run a marathon, but rather than eat a bunch of carbohydrates so I have the energy, I eat a whole lot of meat like I'm going to the gym. Anybody who's ever tried to run a marathon knows that would be a really, really bad idea. That wouldn't work terribly well. Now I'm praying that we're coming out of this pandemic-type season but I don't think we're coming out of the overall trajectory of our culture anytime particularly soon. And so I want to talk about something that's really important when you're in new and challenging spaces. And how we navigate our relationship with God in those new and challenging spaces. Okay, so if you're, you've, you've um, been hanging around church and faith for, for uh, any period of time, you've probably heard that we believe God is pretty awesome and pretty amazing and he's really big and he's really powerful, right? <clears throat> in fact, sometimes we'll go even further. We'll say God is, he's infinitely big, he's infinitely powerful, he, he's infinitely amazing. Now, you and I, in case you haven't noticed yet, we are finite human beings, And before I was trained in ministry, I was actually trained as a scientist. I was trained to do physics. So I've worked quite a bit with the infinite because you have to calculate with the infinite a lot in the the realm of physics that I was in. And here's what I learned about the infinite. You can kind of learn how to crunch numbers with it, but it will never make sense to you. It will never make sense because there is absolutely nothing in our experience that actually works that way. We can conceive, our minds can conceive of the very big, but we can't conceive of the infinite itself. Now what that means is, when you and I have a relationship with a God who actually is infinite, we don't conceive of God as infinite the way he is. What we conceive of is God as big as we can have a box in our head for bigness. But those are two different things. They're not identical. And what happens sometimes as we make our way and our journey through life is the difference between those two once in a while becomes really important. Um... Jess, can I get you to come on up? And Steve, I know you weren't prepared, but can I get you to come on up here? Steve's my favorite. I've been using him as as a uh, visual picture all weekend long, and we're gonna we're gonna do another illustration of this. Okay, so I have here two people who have a little bit of a height difference between them. You might notice that. Okay, this is the point that I'm trying to make. Imagine. We're going through our lives. By the way, this is Jess. She's a member of our team. She's the reason that all of us actually got here and aren't dead. (laughs) She's phenomenal, okay? Uh, Let's imagine that I'm going through my life and my journey with God. And I have, like all of us do, all kinds of situations and problems and things that I have to wrestle through in my journey with God. I don't know what they are for you, but we all have some set of them. We have issues relationally, we have issues financially, we have challenges with our maybe our health or whatever it may be. We journey our way through life, and we have a certain sized problem. And what happens is we wrestle with our problems, and eventually we learn God's bigger than the problems that I have. So if I have just-sized problems... My experience and my faith journey with God will probably create an image in my mind that God is just plus an inch or two. So my concrete experience is that God's about this big. And as long as I'm only hitting just size problems, that's okay. I run into them, and I can respond with a sense of faith and confidence because I have an image of God right here. So I'm like, oh, financial problem that big? No problem. Right? Relational issue that big? It's okay. God's that big. We don't run into trouble until we hit 2020. (laughs) And now, I don't realize, I know this is like, Jess loves this illustration because this is the time when being taller is worse. (laughs) She loves that. Okay, So, (laughs) we don't realize it, but we're walking around in our life with a picture of God that he's this big. And all of a sudden, we're hitting things that are bigger than our concrete experience of God. And this gap makes us freak out. This gap is the panic gap right here. We know, we know better than to say, this is bigger than God. Right? Because we know the right answer is that nothing's bigger than God. Right? And so we would never admit that. But what's happening internally is that this is bigger than my experience of God. This is bigger than my mind knows how to conceive of God. Because I've never faced something this big before. So I can't conceive of how big it is. And I can't conceive that God is bigger. This gap big part of why the last 2 years have been really hard. And the question I want to wrestle with for the next 15ish minutes is how do you close that gap? What do you do in this space? Because when you hit that place where you're got a bigger problem than your picture of God, the quicker we can close that gap, the more we'll be able to keep moving forward instead of feeling like we're kind of spinning our wheels staying in place. Thank you, my friends. <clears throat> How do we close that gap? What does that look like? How does that work? Well, to begin to explore this, I want to grab a verse that Paul writes in Galatians 4 real quick. And it's, it's a quick verse, so maybe I'll just flip there and read it. And i to pick up on an idea he drops and unpack it a little bit. In Galatians 4, verse 6, Paul is writing, and he says this, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Paul says that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, if we're followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself cries in our hearts, Abba, Father. Now, if you've not heard that word Abba before, it's kind of a strange word. It's not actually English. So if you're like, I don't recognize that one, you're right, you don't recognize that one. <laughs> it's actually an Aramaic term, which was the language that was colloquially spoken in the time of Jesus um, by the Jews. It's an Aramaic term that a child would use to refer to their parents specifically to their dad, and it was a very close and it was a very intimate term. We might translate, I suppose in the States, we'd probably translate it daddy. I'm not sure if that's exactly the the term that young children would use here, but that sort of very close personal connecting term. So, um, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit inside of us is crying out to God, Abba, Father. Now, when we read that, we might first get caught up on like the language difference between those two terms. And that's a good thing to study. But there's another part of this which is really sort of an interesting thing, and it's this: the terms Abba and Father were a little more specific than the languages we use, than the terms we use in English for our, um, our parents. We tend to use in English actually all the parenting words are pretty much interchangeable. I can call my my dad dad, father, daddy, any you know pops, I don't know whatever else I would call him. There's not really any measurable difference between them. I just use them interchangeably. That was not the case in this culture and in this time. In this culture and in this time you would use different words to describe your relationship with your parents based upon the fact that your relationship with your parents changes over time as you move from a young child into a teenager into a grown adult. More specifically, the term ABBA was the term that young kids would use before they began to come of age. I've got three kids. We attempted to get a slide of my family uh, together here. There's there's a, a family photo. I've got three kids, my wife, and uh, she's got all three of them at home, so we can pray for her. She's been... <laughs> She's been doing amazing for the last, I don't know, 10 days at this point. Um, my oldest uh, daughter there is Kayla. My son, Benjamin, is in the middle. Uh, my youngest is Ariella there. And this picture about perfectly captures all their personalities. When, when I um, come home from work... It's not uncommon for me to come in the door, and the, you know my wife's doing whatever she's doing to kind of get the evening ready and off and going, and the kids are you know they're sort of done for the day, so they're doing what kids do at the end of the day. They're playing, they're reading a book, they're you know being a kid. And I'll open the door, and it's not uncommon for me to hear one of the kids yell, Daddy's home! And then I just hear the stampede, and they all wrap themselves around their le- my legs as I'm trying to get in the door. You know, it's like, I love you. Can, you- can we just wait 30 seconds? You know? Um, but that type of relationship, that's the Abba relationship. The Abba relationship describes. A child who's fully dependent on the parent and knows it and is good with that. The Abba relationship describes the kid who wants to run to their dad, run to their mom, and have their parent scoop him up and lift him up and say, it's so good to see you, I love you, I missed you. That was not the relationship that would be described by this term father the term father would only be used in that context after the child had been fully grown, had a trade of their own, and more than likely a family of their own. In other words, father is the term that gets used for the more peer-to-peer relationship that a grown adult child has with their grown adult parent. um, I've had the privilege of, uh, of writing a couple of books, and my dad has been a writer for pretty much all of his career. So once in a while, my dad and I will go out to breakfast, and we'll talk shop. He'll tell me about the ideas that he's writing about and how it's going and the feedback he's getting. He'll ask me about any ideas I've got, and we'll kind of chit-chat about how the whole thing goes. And then at the end of breakfast, more often than not, he pays for his bill, and I pay for my bill. Why? Because I'm not six, living in his house anymore. I've got a house of my own, an income of my own, right? And I expect to pay for my own food. That's how it works at this stage. And so we have a relationship, not that I don't see him as a source of wisdom who's lived more of life than I have and learned some lessons I haven't learned yet. Of course, I I receive that. But we relate to each other much closer to a peer-to-peer type relationship. That's the word that this term father encapsulates. So what's really fascinating about what Paul says here? is that there would be no earthly child that would ever make the sentence Abba, Father. Because you never have both an Abba and a Father relationship with your earthly parent at the same time. You would be Abba, Abba, Abba for years and years and years and years. Then actually there'd be something different in the middle. And then eventually you'd make your way to the Father term. So there'd never be a Jewish boy that would say, Abba, Father. And that's what makes the sentence so profound. The Holy Spirit inside of us is crying out to God, both of these two together. Because one of the things that makes relationship with God different to relationship with our own parents is that we simultaneously have both of those relationships at the same time. We have a relationship with God that is an Abba relationship. And paradoxically, we also have a relationship with God that is a Father relationship. The Abba relationship is all about the fact that God is big. And God is powerful. And God is amazing. And God can solve my problems. And God can tell me what to do. The Abba relationship is pick me up and go beat up that other kid's dad. <laughs> it's where my focus is on God's bigness and I'm looking to Him for the solutions for problems. The Abba relationship is almost always how we all enter faith because we've properly blown our life up and we need God to scoop us up and lift us above our problems. But God in turn matures us, disciples us, grows us to the point where he says, I actually also want to have this father relationship with you. And in the father relationship, God starts treating us almost more like peers. Not that he's actually confused about that, but that he wants to empower us to be everything that he made us to be. So in the father relationship, God does all of these pesky things where he says, let's talk about how big you are, because I've made you big. Let's talk about not me solving your problems for you, but let's talk about how you can speak to the wind and the waves. And he teaches us to use authority. He teaches us to use wisdom. In the father relationship, we go, God, tell me what to do. And he says, I'm not going to. Don't you hate it when he does that? But I just want you to give me the answer. And God goes, ah, but I want to cultivate wisdom in you. I want you to be powerful too. God is actually invested in both of these relationships with us. And it is the Holy Spirit inside of us who cries out both Abba and Father. Now, it seems to me that there's a good part of maturity in our faith to realizing any given situation or scenario, should I be leaning into my relationship with God more like Abba or more like Father? With our natural parents, we grow from one to the other, right? We begin in Abba, but Abba shouldn't be forever, if we're 45 and we're still in Abba, trusting our parents to buy our clothes and make my peanut butter sandwiches for me, like that's probably not maturity. And so we grow into a father place, but what can be challenging is our natural precedent then is that to go back to Abba once I've been in father is immaturity. And that's not how it works with God. With God, you never graduate from one to the other. With God, you're always cultivating the both of them simultaneously. And and the thing that we have to realize, I think, that we need to know is this. God will swing the pendulum back and forth on us in terms of what he's doing in our lives. My proposal, my suggestion, my exhortation for us today is this. Most of us, for the last couple of years, have been in seasons where we're looking at a panic gap. If you want to see that gap close, that gap closes in the Abba relationship, not in the Father one. Because the Abba relationship is the one that's about God's bigness. The Abba relationship one is the one where you run to God and he lifts you up higher than you've been before. And you realize, oh, this is what it's like to see things up here from his vantage. I didn't know he was this tall. The Abba relationship is the one where our image of God grows. And as good charismatics sometimes we can love the father relationship because that's where authority is. And so we can try and camp out here. And often that looks like two things. Number one, any problem that comes our way, we try and declare it away. (laughs) COVID's gonna be done in the next two months. How many prophecies were there there for that? Right? What are we trying to do? We're trying to use authority to solve a problem when the Lord is trying to let the problem cultivate our intimacy instead. <clears throat> so we, we can get comfortable <laughs> in this father relationship. We're trying to declare things away. We're trying to, to not let ourselves not be okay. When maybe the point is that we actually look at this and we humble ourselves. And we say, God, if I'm honest that problem does look bigger than you right now. I know it's not actually bigger than you, but it's bigger than my experience of you thus far. I need to admit I'm not okay. I need you to go beat up COVID's dad. I'm not gonna pretend that I can throw something at this thing and end it. I need to just be able to feel safe In you, to feel picked up by you, to know that somehow you've got this, because there's no way I can have this. God will bring us as believers back to that place over and over and over and over again on purpose. In fact, even Jesus had to do it. What is he praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? Abba, this is so hard. If you could take this cup from me, if there's any other way, I don't know if I can do this. 36 hours later, he's hanging on the cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in the cross, Jesus is growing through this process. Jesus himself has to lean on God and get lifted up to a higher place so that he can sit there carrying the sin of all humanity and declare forgiveness because his experience of God has grown that large. It might just be that this is a season where we can get real comfortable in that Abba relationship. We can begin to be okay not being okay. We can begin to lean on him in a way where we don't have to think we've got answers. It's just pure dependency and pure trust. I'll tell you, that's what I've seen in the underground church. They're just like, I have no idea how it's all going to come together. Everything's falling. My friend just got thrown in prison. The government just showed up and bulldozed our church. That's the stuff they deal with. And all they've got is just pure trust, pure dependency on God. The Lord will bring us to the Abba point. One last scripture and then we'll pray. In Romans 8, Paul tackles the same topic one more time. And he says this. This is Romans 8 right here. He's talking about this growth process. He says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now look at this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You know what's the first thing that happens when you have a just-sized picture of God and a Steve-sized problem? Where are you tempted to go? Fear. You're tempted to fall back into fear. But what Paul says is this. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, watch the visual here, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, a pure word, provided that we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. When everything comes off the rails and fear is knocking at your door, it might actually be this is the Lord enlargening your perspective of himself. It might be he's meeting you in that Abba place. And if you'll welcome it, if you'll allow God meet me in the suffering, meet me in the Garden of Gethsemane right now, what you'll see is that if you'll humble yourself, become a child, allow the Spirit to cry, Abba, through your heart, you'll become not just a child, but you'll become an heir. The suffering always leads to glory. Let's pray. Uh, do we stand here usually? Do we not? How does this work? Stand. Let's stand. We'll stand and pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just, we just right now come into agreement with your cry in our hearts, Abba, Father. We come into agreement, Holy Spirit, we say cry through our hearts, Abba, Father. God, we say we want to walk in both of those We want to be able to be vulnerable, to be trusting, to lean ourselves on you. And God, we say to the extent that that's where we're at, pick us up, God. Lift us up. Let us feel your embrace. Let us feel your closeness and lift us up, God, higher than we've been before. Lift us up to the point, God, where we can see you are taller than our COVID-sized problems and COVID-sized challenges right now. God, we embrace that Abba relationship. And we say, God, we are okay being totally vulnerable on you. We are okay being totally reliant on you, God. Holy Spirit, cry Abba through our hearts. Give us the conviction that we are your kids. We're your kids and you're a good parent. You see, you know, you take care of the things. You'll beat up any dad that needs to get beat up for us, God. Cry, Abba, through our hearts, Holy Spirit, that, that we may also cry, Father, that we may also reach back to the world, God, as, as not just children but heirs. Heirs that walk with the authority of Christ, that demonstrate how good you are, God, to this world that so desperately needs to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.